the Eighth Circuit Network. We make things. Put them in your brain. Hello, funky listeners. And hi. Hi. Peter is our only listener. <laughs> Hello, other funky listeners, and welcome back to a, yet another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And as Kyle said, this is your host, Peter. Yeah. We hope more than just us listens to this, because technically we're listening to it right now as we're doing it. Yes. And I, at least me personally, I usually end up listening to it once it's posted, mm-hmm. just because of my narcissistic nature. Well, it's always good to know if we're doing pretty good. Yeah, exactly. And if you think we're doing well or terrible, you should tell us on Facebook. <laughs> at facebook.com slash Or if you really don't like us and think we're, we're doing terrible, don't tell us. Well, at least don't tell other people. You can tell us. Yeah, exactly. Just tell, <laughs> just tell us how bad we suck. Just don't tell anyone else, because that would make us sad. That's bad marketing. We're good at the marketing things. So yeah, for this funky episode, we thought it would be fun to delve into the world of 70s and 80s old school rap and hip hop. Yeah. Because everyone knows that's where the original gangsters came from. From funk. Yeah. <laughs> Little Wayne, and I don't know even know who else is popular right now because I don't care. Kanye West. Can't even, thank you, can't even hold the end of a candle to Grandmaster Flash or the great MC Hammer. Or <laughs> we didn't really get into a lot of 90s stuff, so I guess we're kind of foregoing Tupac and all that. That might be another episode for another day. Into once, once hip hop is more established. Into like, yeah, 90s gangster rap like Tupac, cool. Biggie, NWA, uh, Public Enemy, all that junk. Yeah, as, as opposed to hip-hop and rap, you know, in the 90s where it was a little bit more established, uh, today we're going to be talking about how this genre was in the very developmental stages, starting very late 70s, but mostly um, mostly in the 80s and into the early 90s. And the influence that funk music had on hip-hop um, as it was developing, because believe it or not, it actually had a fairly good amount of influence. That's pretty crunchy. I guess to get us started off... We should probably start with the grandfather of all rap, <laughs> the Adam and Eve of all rap. The Garden of Eden of rap is birthed solely from this song. There were none before it. There were none after it that were as good. And that song is Rapper's Delight by Sugar Hill Gang. So, well, if you started out like that, it's like anything else we talk about is not going to be as good. Exactly, so because nothing, nothing else is as good, so... <laughs> so yeah, Rapper's Delight by Sugar Ho Gang, the first hip-hop single to actually become a top 40 hit. The song uses an interpolation of the instrumental track from the hit Good Times by Sheik as its foundation. Sadly, their Sugar Ho Gang never again topped the charts after this song, though it had a few minor hits such as Apache, Eighth Wonder, which was actually performed on the show Soul Train in 1981. Rapper's Reprise, and Showdown with the Furious Five. In 1999, after obviously a very long hiatus, the trio reunited and recorded Jump On It, which was a hip-hop children's album. Mm. And they actually still continue to tour to this day. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty interesting because this song does indeed sample Good Times by Sheik, and correct me if I'm wrong, Peter, didn't Sheik sue them for that? Oh, uh, yeah, that sounds... I think... I was actually just thinking that. I want to say it was possibly Nile Rodgers... Now, Roger specifically, that suit them, or just so. Sheik in general? Um, gosh, I, w- I wish I had this written down, but I think, because he went to a club, and they were playing this song, which heavily samples that song, and he's like, hey, that's my song, what are they doing? Because mm-hmm. this was at a time where sampling was, like, just starting, and this is one of the first songs that did that. 
So it was a completely new concept. So then it got taken to court. And I think eventually what ended up happening is that they just added his name as a co-writer on the song because the chorus didn't really know what to do with it because this was like the first time this had yeah, happened yeah. in a major. Yeah, it's – um. Yeah, it looks like that later they credited Bernard Edwards and Niall Rogers of Chic yeah, yeah. for basically because they kind of stole the uh, intro to that song. Yeah, it's funny though because I just I know I think you watched it too. I just recently watched a small little interview with Niall Rogers because he was talking about his collaboration with the forthcoming Daft Punk album, mm-hmm. and he, he was talking about all these different artists that he worked with and how all the all these different genres were kind of birthed from collaboration mm-hmm. and. He mentioned the fact that rap, at least with this particular song, was birthed from disco, and because yeah. before this song, really, there was not no such thing as rap, and obviously, Sugar Hill Gang was inspired by this particular song, and other rap songs that came after sort of also used that popular disco backbeat, so yeah. dis- disco being a very short-lived genre birthed the long-standing genre of rap after that. It kind of shows the strange yeah. evolution of music. And it also was, a, I mean, it was pretty much the transition into electronic music as well exactly so i guess you you do have those two things going for it exactly um even if people hate disco by itself mm-hmm. but yeah it was kind of cool that how he was how he was saying that artists of the day that were starting this new genre of hip-hop you know what did they listen to well they listened to disco mm-hmm. and funk as well so i mean right there i mean it's that is their primary influence that's what they're listening to at the time Exactly because so it's, it's cool how they can work it into the before world. before rap that was the popular I guess popular genre in African American culture so right. and then rap kind of took over by the late eighties right let's actually listen to a little clip of Rapper's Delight by Shigeru Gang and see if see if you guys can actually pick out the uh, sample from Good Times it's pretty obvious well, it's pretty prominent I mean it's yeah that's what I said it's pretty it's pretty damn obvious it's not it's yeah. not like Where's Waldo of music. <laughs> From day to day, I sit down and write a brand new rhyme because they say that miracles never cease. I've created a devastating masterpiece. I'm gonna rock the mic so you can't resist. Everybody, I say it goes like this when I was coming home late one dark afternoon. Reporter stopped me for an interview. She said she's heard stories and she's heard Yeah, I really love this song. It's awesome. Yeah. The full version, like the complete uncut version the, of this. The 13 minute version it's or whatever. It's like over 15 minutes long or yeah. just about. I almost bought that record. It was just oh, the really? version, but it was yeah, like it. eleven dollars uh, just for one song, and then obviously the. That's back. like less than a dollar a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what a savings! Yeah, I so I, I have heard that longest version, but the the problem is that I can't really seem to find it like on iTunes or anything. It's on Spotify. Yeah, it's on Spotify, but like to buy it, like you can't. Oh, oh, oh. But it's... and it's on YouTube as well. So I mean, there there is the longest version, I think. I think it had like three or four different cuts. There was like the three-minute radio, and then there's like a seven-minute. Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. And again, this more I guess going back also to their disco influence. Similarly, disco disco songs always had a radio-friendly version and a dance version that was like mm-hmm. three times longer. Right. And this is no exception. Yeah. So. Actually, something else I want to quickly say that I forgot yeah. about with the song yes. actually is that when they originally recorded it, the whole thing was improvised. Oh yeah. Which is actually really impressive considering not only that this is a new quote unquote the first rap song, but also the fact that it goes on for about 15 minutes in the uncut version. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they can do that and it switches between different rappers throughout this whole thing and, and then it just passes on from one to the next and it's really it's quite impressive. That's really impressive. Yeah, artists artists these days, they don't have that kind of skill. 
Yeah. Maybe Eminem. <clears throat> that would be cool if he did a remake of that, but also very sad. <laughs> Eminem is still late. Eminem. <laughs> I like that. Uh, what do we got up next, Mr. Peter? Coming up next, Mr. Peter, is another very um, influential, one of the, the first rap songs. It's called The Message by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Now, this song comes from the 1982 album, debut album, actually. It was also called The Message. Funny enough, this was the, the first prominent hip-hop song to provide a lyrical social commentary. While it wasn't the first to tackle those, those kind of issues, it was certainly the very the first uh, popular one. And on that note, um, I actually was originally going to bring this up in our episode we did a few a little while ago uh, about the ghetto and how those songs brought up issues about inner city life, uh, especially, you know, for blacks during the 70s and early 80s. And this song is certainly within that same group, I would say. So like I said, I was going to bring this up during that episode, but then I realized that this one actually is also a really good one to talk about um, funk's influence in um, hip-hop. So I've decided this was actually the basis for this episode. So pretty cool. cool. So yes, in terms of its influence in uh, the hip-hop industry, uh, the song is frequently referred to as the greatest record in hip-hop history. And it was the first hip-hop record to be added to the United States National Recording Registry. Something else in terms of influence, what happens a lot in rap and hip-hop is that once a song creates a, a lyric that becomes kind of popular, a lot of hip-hop songs um, after that will use that same line within their song. And um, the message actually has kind of a refrain chorus that says, don't push me because I'm close to the edge. And that's become one of the most well-known courses in rap music history. And it's been reused a whole lot of times. I, I know for a fact that was uh, used by Biggie Smalls. Oh, it was. Yeah. That's I can't cool. think of who else. Actually, um, on that note, yeah, I want to say there's every so often when I hear, when I'm listening to something at least relatively close to hip hop, especially the old stuff, I do now and then hear quite frequently certain lines from uh, Rapper's Delight that we were just talking about. Really? Yeah, and I guess that makes sense since that was, you know, a lot of people consider that the first one. Paying homage to the masters. That's true. Speaking of masters, let's go ahead and listen to Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five with a clip of their song, The Message. I tried to get away, but I couldn't get far because a man with the touch of repossessed my car. Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. So that was pretty crunchy. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice, good song. And it, it definitely heavy on the social commentary with mm-hmm. the lyrics and everything. It's kind of an interesting perspective from the early 80s. Because we've talked about this a couple of times before. Yeah. With, um, with ghetto life and I think how blacks still felt um, kind of held down even after the civil rights movement. Yeah, I was going to say, does the message have like a 15-minute version? Like, uh, I don't think so. That's a shame. Because I want more of the message. Well, you can just play it over and over. This is true. Next up, we have another notorious, I guess this one's better than most, is, it, is to say that it's a notorious hit. The song You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. Real name being Stanley Burrell. He had his greatest commercial success and popularity from the late 80s to early mid-90s. Remembered for his rapid rise to fame, Hammer is known for his hit records, You Can't Touch This, and Too Legit to Quit. His flashy dance movements, choreography, and trademark Hammer Pants. He basically single-handedly popularized parachute pants. And has actually sold more than 50 million records worldwide. Just to show how far the song 
has fallen from its once great height. Okay. You know how they have those singing cards? Yes. One of them has this song. Well, it had a good run, I guess. <laughs> but, despite the fact that his once famous hit is now being used for birthday cards, MC Hammer still kept busy, because he actually became a preacher in the late 90s with a uh, Christian ministry program on TBN called MC Hammer and Friends. What? Yeah. So wow. he was like a, what do they call him, like televangelist? Oh my gosh, really? Something like that. That's awesome. And he also starred in a Saturday morning cartoon back in the early 90s called Hammer Man, which I'm pretty sure I have to watch now. Wow. And he was the executive producer of his own reality show, also called Hammer Time, uh, which basically just revolved around the everyday life of him and his family. And it was on the A&E network or something in 2009. Not to disrespect, but if someone could, like, shill themselves anymore, they would be, like, they would be Walt Disney, I don't know. But, yeah, any way he could possibly make money off of the, what basically could be considered fairly limited musical fame, Mm -hmm. he he found ways to do so. I'm surprised he didn't have his own cereal, Hammer Rose. (laughs) He probably did. He probably did. There's, like, little... Marshmallow hammers. <laughs> and marshmallow paint. If you collect enough box tops, you can send away for some hammer paints. Yeah. It has like, seven, instead of seven lucky charms, it's like seven things he wears. So it'd be like hammer pants, hats, a gold chain, a hammer. Moons and rainbows. Moons and rainbows. Starships and balloons. <laughs> oh, I used to have that memorized. The whole seven lucky charms. Yeah. Sad. You have to brush up on your marshmallows, guy. Yeah, yeah, I have to brush up on my uh, ce- my cereal jingles. But yeah, similar to the first song we discussed, Rapper's Delight, this song samples Super Freak by Rick James. I, yeah. I think at this point Rick James was in jail, so he couldn't really do much about it. <laughs> yeah. About it being sampled. I, uh, I, I can't well, say Well, I mean, this su- song came out in, in 1990, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe by then, sampling was a little bit more accepted accepted yeah yeah i would say you can't touch this is not quite as popular like because the last two we were talking about were like oh those are like the first ones mm-hmm. that were popular i mean this one this one's a little bit later okay i have a i have a you know what this song is this is the first rap song that was popular with white people <laughs> there you go okay, <laughs> I, I can accept that but no, i mean this this one still is i mean one of the most popular songs of the 90s sadly and uh <laughs> it does take heavy sampling from a pretty funky song by rick james i can dig it good stuff so without further ado let's listen to a little sample of you can't touch this by mc hammer see if you can touch it Wait, Peter, Peter. Yeah. Can you do the hammer dance? I wish. No, I cannot. Oh, I haven't tried. I don't want to try in my room because I will break something. But I'll I, break your record player. Yeah, really. I'll break everything. I almost broke my computer trying to get my mic attached. <laughs> I need to brush up on my hammer dance and bust out my hammer pants. Do you have hammer pants? I did as a kid. Really? Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. They were they were red and black. Wow. They were big, and I was little. You know, like those old-timey, like, 1920s clowns that wore, like, the big inflatable, yeah. inflated baggy pants? Yeah. I looked like that. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. The 90s. What a 
shrill and pointless decade. What a, what a magical time. <laughs> so for our next song, also that came out in 1990. It was a song called The Humpty Dance by a group called Digital Underground. It comes from their debut concept album called Sex Packets. It's ranked by VH1 as the number 30 best hip-hop song of all time, The Humpty Dance. Uh, the group, especially in this album, they sample a whole lot of artists from funk and disco, like George Clinton and uh, Parliament Funkadelic, Herbie Hancock, Jimi Hendrix, Donna Summer. It's almost in every song you can get at least a piece of at least one of those and a bunch of others as well. So there's definitely a lot of sampling and taking in even lyrics sometimes. They take a lot of lyrics from P-Funk songs as well. Uh, so the song, The Humpty Dance, was easily the uh, the most popular song from this album. And it's sung by one of the rappers called Shock G. And it talks about his alter ego, Humpty Hump, which is a character they kind of created. He's signified by having thick lens glasses and a long golden nose. What? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, but it's funny. And um, this song is actually a tribute to this character Humpty Hump's sexual prowess, despite his ridiculous appearance. Because in most of the song, he's talking about, well, you think I'm dumb because I have a long nose, but I get with the ladies all the time. That's basically what the song is about. It, it's pretty funny in, in a way. It's I think that might be part of the reason why it was popular as well. Because, I mean, the group takes themselves seriously, but it's kind of like, I wouldn't quite say parody, but it's probably borderline. So uh, that's kind of funny. The music video for The Humpty Dance was nominated for the Best Rap Video in the 1990 MTV Music Video Awards, but it actually lost to You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. That's pretty Which sad. That's not that surprising, but um, it's kind of cool that this one was right behind it. So that shows that they were actually relatively popular for their time. True. I discovered this album, Sex Packets, I don't know, maybe a month ago. Did it come with and Sex Packets? No. But it's actually, it's it's a concept album. The, the idea surrounding a number of the songs in the album is that there's a drug on the street, and it's basically a pill, and when you take it, you black out, and you basically have a completely real, vivid experience of making love. Where is this, and where can I buy it? Exactly. Um, I actually, I don't know, it's kind of an interesting concept when you think about it, and they kind of go into more detail about how it works in the songs, and it, it's... It's funny, because... Now that you said that, now when I think of sex packets, I think of like those little sugar packets you get at restaurants. <laughs> but somehow you just open them up and then like a hot woman comes out. <laughs> Pretty much. Some assembly may be required. <laughs> oh gosh. It's just kind of funny, like when you think about it, like if the complete sexual experience was available just in a pill like that, how that would completely change society. Seriously. So, I mean, in a way, it's almost like commentary. If everybody's like, oh, man, that would be awesome. It's it's kind of in a, like looking at ourselves saying, I don't know. It's it's a testament to man's animal nature. Yes. There you go. So, like I said, the Humpty Dance is kind of, it's kind of a funny song. Most of their songs actually aren't funny, but this one is. Did we, did we listen to a clip of it? No, yet? we're going to we're going to listen to a clip of it right I now. I want to listen to I want to listen to the Humpty Dance and find out how I can get me some Humpty packets. OK. <laughs> They say I'm ugly, but it just don't faze me. I'm still getting in the girls' pants, and I even got my own dance. I just thought of two songs right now that okay. are not in here that I'm kind of sad about. One is I Like Big Butts by Sir Mix a Lot. <laughs> and because one, that's relevant. Remember that song, Do the Dinosaur? Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, humpity hump, get on that hump, everybody do the dinosaur. I don't even know who sings it, I just remember it was really stupid. Because this song reminded me of that. 
It might be. It might be Digital Underground. I don't know. Research. I don't think so. But it might be. I should not have typed this into into Wikipedia. I just got dinosaur. <laughs> Anyways, the next song coming up. Wait, who who did this song? I don't know. I didn't. Couldn't find it. Everybody walk the dinosaur. By... A, by the band was not was. Okay. That's oh, cool. one last thing I'll talk, I want to say about Digital Underground is that they actually are partly known for launching Tupac's career because I guess he was part of their group. Oh, originally. well, look at that. The more you know. Just in looking up a little bit about Was Not Was because I like that song, Walk the Dinosaur. They are an American eclectic pop group founded by David Weiss and Don Ferguson uh, that gained popularity in the 1980s and 90s. Cool. So the next song that we actually have more info about other than just, I like that song... The whole show is basically I like that song with a little bit of context. That's true. The next song we have in our list is the song Word Up by Cameo. I'm sure a lot of you know this song. Cameo was a funk band that sort of kind of branched out into rap a bit with this particular song in 1986. Did with heavy play on American Dance and R&B Radio as well as uh, music video play on MTV. The music video actually features uh, LeVar Burton as a police detective trying to arrest the band. Um, this single, Word Up, became the band's most well-known hit, hmm. which is sad, because I, I like a lot of cameos. They songs. have a lot of good songs. Yeah, right? I knew that this video, music video had them being chased by the police. I didn't realize it was LeVar Burton. Yeah. That's, that's pretty funny. That's pretty awesome. So from the album of the same name, uh, Word Up was Cameo's first U.S. Top 40 hit, peaking at number six on the Billboard Hot 100, and it also spent three weeks at number one on the U.S. Hot Black Singles chart. That's a new one. <laughs> so the song was written by uh, Lawrence Ernest Blackmon, which is a pretty awesome name. What's your name? Blackmon. <laughs> and, and Thomas Michael Jenkins. Like the band's previous single, Single Life, Word Up features a sample of opening notes from Ennio Morricone's theme to The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Never actually, yeah, I think that. They, yeah, they actually do both have that same little sample at the beginning. With the yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Mm. The only other thing I know about the song is that that metal band, or I don't, I don't know what you, hard rock band, Korn, did a pretty awesome cover. Mm. I remember I saw them in concert in high school. They were scary. Did they do this song? Yes, they did, actually. That's cool. Um, did you know at the time that this was a cameo song? Yes, I did. That's pretty cool. Without further ado, let's listen to a little clip of Word Up by Cameo. My, my appreciation of Cameo, the group, has actually grown a little bit um, in the last month or two. Don't they have that song, Rigor Mortis? I don't know. I think actually, that's I'm not that. With that one. I like that song. But I got a CD of their best hits from the $5 bin at Walmart. Nice. And um, I've been listening to that more lately, even though I've had it for a while, and uh, I'm starting to get more used to it, so it's good stuff. I would say most of their songs are relatively... And it's kind of in the same style where it's not traditional hip-hop, per se. But it's it's kind of in that sound that is the transition yeah, era, I guess. When funk was kind of like breaking into like electronic and, and a bit of hip hop. Yeah. I can dig it. I need to get one of their LPs. They're one of the few I don't have. I still need to get a Parliament one too. Our next song that we want to talk about is a song by the artist Curtis Blow. And this is <laughs> You said Blow. The song's called The Breaks. 
This was one of the first critically acclaimed hip-hop singles released in 1980. Funny enough, unlike most hip-hop songs of the day and ones that we've talked about so far that sample existing songs, neither funk or disco, the beat in this one is actually original. Yeah. But in turn, it, it has actually been sampled by many, many subsequent musicians, mostly in hip-hop. So interesting that this is an influencer rather than influenced mm-hmm. more so. Anyway, so in this song called The Breaks, there are actually six, arguably seven, um, breakdowns in this song. Usually, from what I understand, a breakdown is when an artist plays through a scale mm. on their instrument, be it guitar, bass, piano, whatever. Without any lyrics or anything. Yeah, it's it's like a solo, but a solo in which they take a scale and kind of finagle their way through it in a fancy, yeah. in a fancy way. And this song does it seven times. So That's pretty darn impressive that's pretty impressive whomever is instrumentizing yes i made up words and as well in this song the breaks there are at least three definitions of the word break used in the lyrics of the song how are there even three definitions of the word well it's b-r-e-a-k so you can be taking a break or something can break oh okay or the word b-r-a-k-e like breaks of a car okay um so there's supposedly more. Maybe if we, if you analyze the lyrics, you could probably find them. But we're not going to right now, just for sake of time. <laughs> but yeah, the song kind of talks about bad things that can happen in your life. But as he says, those are the breaks. So just deal with it, I guess. It's a pretty catchy song. Probably one of my favorites in the introduction to, to hip-hop style of music that we're talking about. So why don't we go ahead and listen to a clip of The Breaks by Curtis Blue. Yes, that was The Breaks by Curtis Blow, released in 1980. Only a year before is our when the last song we're going to be discussing was actually released. And that song is Oops, Upside Your Head by The Gap Band. Released in 1979, it was a funk anthem that was released on their fourth album, which is oddly called Gap Band 2. Hmm. Yeah, the song is actually said to be one of the first songs to use hip-hop-styled monologues in a song. I guess which came first, this or Rapper's Delight? I think this may have came out first because this came both, first. I mean, this they one were is both in '79. Yeah, I mean, this one. I mean, the Gap Band probably did a couple of these. Again, it wasn't like really hip hop in itself, but it was the, more way, like, the way that it had, like you said, hip hop styled monologues, where they're kind of speaking rather than singing. Yeah, it was one of the first songs to do that, which led into hip hop. The pretty funny monologues throughout the song are actually by uh, Gap Band lead singer Charlie Wilson. And they were inspired by his cousin Bootsy Collins' own humorous slant. Yeah, well, they they do have a number, actually a lot of references to Parliament Funkadelic, who actually does kind of a similar thing with a lot of their music, mm-hmm. saying a lot of random things in the background over the music. And I didn't I didn't know that they were that Charlie Wilson was cousins with Bootsy Collins. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, that's that's I was just thinking in my head. I'm like, oh, that's pretty funny that those two bands are connected that way. Yeah, I never knew that. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Um, and it shows that since they were related, that's how he would get inspiration and that they would be structured in a similar way. Mm. That's something I didn't know before this. I still think the intro to Parliament's uh, Mothership Connection, I think it was, or it was Frankenstein, where he talks, he's saying that, like, you're, we're, like, listening to, like, the funky radio station. Oh. Um, any any part that ails you, just place on the radio and the <laughs> funk moves will heal it. It's the one that says, make my funk the P-funk. I, 
I wants, wants to get, to funked, get up. funked up. Yeah, that's, that's it. P Funk wants to get funked up. That's the song. That's okay. the song you got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I love I love the intro to that. It's amazing. So with this single, "Oops Upside Your Head" by the Gap Band, it was actually released in several countries in different formats. In America, it was released on a 12-inch record, with the B-side being Party Lights. In Holland, it was a 12-side, with the B-side consisting of The Boys Are Back in Town. And in France, the single was just a 7-inch with no B-side. It's kind of weird. Usually, they try to be the same throughout different countries, but they all got mixed up in here. Oops, upside their heads. Yeah. So, with that useless fact, let's (laughs) let's listen to a little clip of Oops, Upside Your Head by The Gap Band. Peter, have you ever made an oops inside your pants? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, well, that's the question. <laughs> As you said earlier, Kyle, this is the last song uh, for our show today. Yeah. As always, you know, we're not going through every single song that's relevant to this topic, but uh, we, we did want to kind of bring up some of the more major ones that kind of showcase this transition from funk and disco into hip hop uh, throughout the 80s. It was, it was a very interesting time musically, I think, for these genres. Indeed. Yeah, it's kind of cool. This has been Kyle. And this has been Peter. Thank you for listening to Funk Radio. Be sure to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash getyourfunk. And be sure to like us on iTunes and be sure to comment because the more you comment, the more we get loved. We like love. We do like love. We we subsist solely on love. We've invented a machine powered by love. And every like you feed us keeps us alive for another day. We like love and we also love likes. So if you haven't liked us on Facebook yet, do that. We would love for you to like us. <laughs> As well, like we like we said at the beginning of the episode, uh, if you have any feedback for our show, if you like it or you hate it, feel free to go tell us on our page. We always appreciate feedback, so do that. We can dig it. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, be sure to drop those on us as well. And if you have any suggestions of artists that you think we might like or haven't happened to come across, feel free to send us those as well. Yeah. Because we always like new music. We like communication. Indeed. That's how... A relationship. Communication builds community. I sound like a politician. Okay, that's it. Well, Kyle's going to go build his political career. Um, Until next time. Off the love of my (laughs) funk radio fans. Yes. Okay, so yeah, we're signing out. We love you. We hope you love us too. Yeah, peace and love. And funk. And sex packets. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're ending it now. Bye. Okay, bye. For more podcasts and the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment, visit 8thCircuit.com.